Podcast Network. Thanks for reaching out. This is your, like, uh, within the same month, we had two people, like, reach out who we didn't know who wanted to be on the show. And that's, like, a first for us. We've been doing this right on. Well, I have, like, all these super specific and kind of nerdy hashtags in my in my Instagram. So, Uh like, anytime, like, Charles Band or Trancers or any of, like, the weird movies or, like, genres that I love pop up. And I get turned on to so many different, like, podcasts and feeds and stuff just through that. Because I figure anyone that's, you know, hashtagging that kind of stuff is going (laughs) to probably be interesting to me. So (laughs) That's really cool, though. Yeah, that's great. Um, Yeah, we we, – I watched – uh, Doll Man with my my friend Brian, who's been on the show a bunch, and he we loved it. Like, Doll Man's a great one too. Like a lot of that stuff I'd heard of, but wasn't that familiar with at the time. And it was sort of during the pandemic when I just started going down this Tubi rabbit hole, and I was like, mm-hmm. "What? How's every movie I've ever loved starred <laughs> Tim Thomerson? I didn't realize." That. <laughs> you know? I think we talked about it uh, on that episode, but like I didn't realize how many charles band full moon movies i'd seen like over the years but like yeah uh, my roommate loves the subspecies films um, yeah, yeah we did and has like a box yeah. set of those and there's like a whole goth following around the subs yes subspecies. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i yeah, grew up like going to comic book stores where they had the action figures yeah. of all the like doll man doll or uh, mm-hmm. puppet master puppet dolls master, and all yeah. that and i was just like yeah oh. i was like they're so cool what are they from <laughs> no idea <laughs> um yeah and then uh we just picked kind of picked doll man at random and i was like yeah it's great i was like I really, yeah like, it's really, so really, good yeah we had a blast with it i mean any to any time where there's a major character that's a floating head i mean come on And they do the like the, the, the fake out where they make you think like, oh, this is gonna be the big bad for the movie, and then they kill him like halfway through <laughs> unceremoniously. Yeah. Jackie yeah. Earl Haley, you know, yeah. guys always yeah. saw it. Yeah, that was that was a surprise too. I when we put that on, I was like, oh, and the same thing happened with Trancers. And I was like, I was like, Helen Hunt? How did I not know Helen Hunt was in this? I know. Like majorly. Yeah. I did not know that I had a crush on Helen Hunt till this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I knew because I really loved Twister. That was my. Oh, there you go. I yeah. was like, yeah. your gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, my to gateway Helen to Helen Hunt was watching Twister three times in one summer. And I was like, I like her. She's she's spunky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, and this was a cool, this was a good suggestion. I wanted to have Brian uh, be on the episode as well, but uh, he's in Toronto at a wrestling show. Yep. <laughs> That's a solid reason to not be anywhere. Yeah, I was like, I was like, that's fair. Um, but he's going to be real mad because I, watching this, I was like, oh, he would like this one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more good, like weird, you know, trashy in a good way. Also has Tim Thomerson. Like, I was yeah. like, this is going to scratch a lot of uh, itches for him. He's going <laughs> to. Also some really weird, like, locations oh, in this? it, too. Yeah. Like, the first two, like, fights and stuff were going from Santa's village to a tanning <laughs> salon. And it just seems yeah. very. Yeah, this is like a secret Christmas movie. It is. But it also seems very like like how Police Story was based around set pieces. Oh yeah, they it kind of has like... that feeling to me of like, 
oh, this will be weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> this was written by Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. They both wrote uh, Arena, which we did a previous oh, episode boy. on uh, like two years ago. Yeah, I love Arena. And that's another one I hadn't seen until a few years back, but it's just a great one. And it's also sort of in the same spirit as uh, Robot Jocks got a similar look and a similar sort of vision of the future if you will mm-hmm. and they both are kind of campy comedies but also like trying to be really like a heartfelt you know movie with a message yeah this was cool i knew the vaguest of outlines for the for the movie before we watched it um it really caught me off guard it like d- jumps in with both feet uh, yeah. immediately with like being a noir pastiche uh, in this like you know retro future kind of thing it was i was like oh okay right on we had to, like yeah. immediately take it back so i could write down his first like line of dialogue Clampers, i feel like like as soon as it opens that shot that it, it's such a blade runner shot with the sort of future car that unfortunately does not appear in the rest of the movie no. that future car but that setup where it's like an old-timey 50s diner and a future car and the sort of neon yeah. light you like instantly you're like oh this is gonna be good like I, like as soon as i saw that shot i was like oh this movie isn't fucking around like this is a really cool shot and then it goes in and and you know basically it's humphrey bogart <laughs> yeah. you know but meets deckard from blade runner and it's obviously got a blade runner vibe and it's got humphrey bogart vibe and it's got an, a terminator vibe too yes. in terms of yes. like you know sort of future assassins going back in time and battling it in modern times quote unquote and also, once they get back in time, it sort of has a Valley Girl kind of vibe to it. Because, like, they're in L.A. and everyone's got leg warmers and they're going to tanning salons. And, like, they go down to a new wave club and there's a punk band playing. And I'm pretty sure that club is um, the Hong Kong Cafe, which is a famous punk oh, rock yeah. club where, like, in the early 80s, like, Fear and Circle Jerks and Black Flag all used to play. Um, I, it's a little before my time. I never went there, but I, I watched that movie with a punk friend of mine. He's like, that's the Hong Kong cafe. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, it's got a lot going on being a sort of a mashup of like a bunch of different styles, you know, and how much of that, you know, like you said, is just like, well, we have these set pieces and we have this car, but we only had this car for a day. It might've been thrown together around of just, this is what we've got to make this movie. But that's another one. I think that I forget what movie they went on to, but the writers of Trancers went on to like write a bunch of really, you know, good A-list films. And um, there definitely is a lot of like cool ideas happening, and they're kind of pushing the. the it's like they're out outthinking their own budget. You know what I mean? Like yes. you could tell that like if you'd made that movie with a real budget, it would have been Blade Runner or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Sure. Like, it was, it had so much cool ideas, but just yeah. like shoestring budget, not able to quite execute them all. The slow bullet thing, <laughs> like it worked yeah. better in concept than in delivery, but there's something really cool about it because like I've never seen that in a movie before. Everyone's doing fast, 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 but like a slow bullet where like one person doesn't experience it is like, it's crazy. Like when you think about it, but somehow every time it happens in the movie, it's just like, and the movie grinds to a halt. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. They did have a, a, a sort of like a tension issue around it's using the watch. Killer. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I almost feel like they just did it. Cause they're like, look, our movie is uh, 75 minutes and we've got to get it as close to 90. What if yeah. all the shooting scenes were in slow motion? Well, I mean, that's been done before. No, no, no. I mean, really slow motion. We call them slow bullets. Uh, have Thomerson come back and loop in some ADR and we'll call it slow bullets. <laughs> you know yeah, what, what I mean? If we, what if we give him a James Bond watch? I like it, but it right. slows down time. Okay. Right. 
Right. For yeah. what purpose? We don't know. It's just that that buys us a few minutes in editing. But again, you know, it all kind of works, though. Like, I mean, that to me is what I love about kind of B-movies yeah. and uh, genre films. You get a lot of times these great ideas that have to be sort of squeezed into this box of like, well, this is the budget and the time and the cast that we had. And sometimes, you know, the movies fall apart. Sometimes they're like way better as a result of having their hands tied behind their back. You know what I mean? Like totally. they had to outthink their own budget. And sometimes you get really, really amazing stuff that I feel like if they had all the money in the world, you wouldn't have gotten some of these other cooler genre films. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, that's my main issue with the over-reliance on CG effects is that it is undercutting a lot of that ingenuity where sometimes the accidents are what really makes something awesome. So to have this little box, you can plug in whatever the fuck you want and have it spit something out that's like reasonably okay takes away those opportunities for for having like you know serendipity or yeah, you know these accidents. little right yeah yeah i totally agree and i think a perfect example of that is the john carpenter version of the thing versus the prequel version that yes. they made back in like 2015 i love the idea of there being a direct prequel you know sort of like rogue yeah. one where it just leads right up into the plot of the beginning of the thing like all that was cool and you know, I love uh, the lead actor and, you know, the, a lot of good stuff about it. But the biggest th problem was that in the original, it's all practical monster effects. And in this new one, it's no practical monster effects. And there's such a dramatic difference in the way it looks and the tension and just the whole pacing. It's just you never really settle on anything because they're kind of not wanting to reveal how shitty right. it looks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, when you look at the original, which I bet you was a portion of the budget, you mm -hmm. know, to build those things versus yeah, yeah. spend oh, all totally. the money on CGI, but you look at the original and it's just bursting with all this cool creative ideas because they had to, like, make puppets and hand things and just do all this, you know, funky ways to get there, and in the in the end, it looks so unique and it's so crazy, and you could, like, never recreate that. Or movies like Dead Alive, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which were, like, mm -hmm. sort of at the tail end of really pushing gore before everything got so computery. Where it's like again, like punching hands through skulls right into the camera and <laughs> fighting with fighting with lawnmowers as weapons and stuff. It's like you couldn't like to do when you do that with practical effects, it is hilarious and dramatic and gory and so insane. When you do the exact same stuff with CGI, it just immediately loses its like flavor and it's you know, the sort of depth of it all. You right. know, what I mean you just know that it's not real, things are not realistic, you know. Right. Yeah. Um talking about like working within limitations and, and everything uh there's a thing jack white talks about like you know because they're jack, the white stripes are huge bands they had you know whatever stage setup you want we got it but he was like a, you know would always put his uh like mics and like you know the the marimba for like that album like just kind of a step oh, too far from everything else so that he really had to like stretch to like go get there in time to switch from like this part of the song to this part and like go right. do this thing and he's like that effort like if, if things are too easy then you're not trying and you're not there's no happy accidents there's no right yeah there's like that it lacks that spark and that like desperation that's the other thing with the thing is like they all knew they were maybe going to get one maybe two takes with most of those effects like if they're lucky right. so you know they dry run it a few times and then they're like all right we're gonna go like let's let's do this yeah and that adds yeah. to that energy on set. I'm, you know, a horror movie freak. Mm -hmm. And besides being a musician, I 
work in film as a, and TV and stuff as a director. I've done a bunch of documentary films, but I've been doing a lot of music videos lately, and I just directed two videos by the punk band The Dwarves. Oh, right and, on. Um, like they wanted to do a full blown like cannibal zombie, you know, <laughs> horror thing, which of course me being a filmmaker who loves horror, but I've never most of the stuff I've worked in has either been really mainstream TV stuff and commercials or like digital, you know, tutorial. I worked at Fender for a long time doing like the, the content within their app, sure. like guitar tutorial videos and stuff and all sorts of stuff. But I've never actually done blood splattered horror before. <laughs> And I was so excited. I was like, yeah, man, I'm in. And we made these videos. I mean, you know, again, we had a budget, not a huge budget. We had, to, we had a lot of ideas and a lot of creative kills. And we had to figure out how to pull it off in the time and budget we yeah. had. And it came out so great. And, like, it just, I'm so happy with it. And mainly because it's every shot I had in my head, we pulled off. And, it's That's you great. know, it's just mayhem and craziness and blood and crazy. You know, it's awesome. You know, you have your ideas, you have your budget, and you just figure it out. Yeah, um, the website that we host from is Movie John. You know, the, that crew, they have worked on some short films, and we help them, you know, do one. It's, it was, it's very, like, silly and fun. It's like a werewolf pizza murderer thing um, <laughs> where they, like, you know, some killers are going to turn this young lady into a, a human pizza and eat her. Um, and just, like, doing that and trying to figure out the logistics of this like oh it's just a fun silly idea like even do, just do doing you know that is like the connection there what you just said do you know that my brother is Brecken Meyer who is in a human pizza in Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy's Dead I oh, did not so know fun. that are you yeah. serious <laughs> he gets killed remember Freddy killed yeah. him in a, yeah. in a video game but then later in the movie he pulls out a pizza and all the sausages on the pizza <laughs> are the victims and yeah. my brother is one of the sausages so I'm a bit of an expert in the human pizza. In the arena. human pizza field. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So oh, you have to yeah. come to the right place. <laughs> yeah, you have a very uh, extensive um, CV. Because uh, like, after you reached out, I'll look you up on IMDb, and you have some credits there. And I was like, oh, right on. Uh, and then when you sent me your website... I was like, holy shit, like you're, you're, you're like, there's so many more projects yeah. and I was like, that's really like, that's the thing I like is because that's kind of how I feel like I am. It's like, oh, I do a lot of different things and I do them, you know, do them well. I, you know, that's exactly my philosophy is I, I try not to get involved in stuff that I don't think I'm going to do a good job in unless mm -hmm. I, unless it's something I want to be like super challenged by, you know, if it's something right. where like, oh, I want to learn this new thing and I might suck at it, but that's what you got to do to learn. You know, that's cool. Yeah. But generally, you know, I kind of just do stuff that I think is a good idea or I think is cool or I'm inspired by. And uh, and I just sort of have follow through. I think a lot of it is, you know, we all know a lot of people who have great ideas and are, are even great artists. But not everyone finishes their ideas and not everyone kind of, you right. know, is always moving forward. Yeah. And that's just sort of the way that I've kind of always operated is like if I'm going to get started and I genuinely think, oh, I should do this, then I kind of commit, even if it's just internally, to like, well, then I'm going to do it, finish it, see it through. You know, in an ideal world, those things are job related and you're making money doing it along the way. Sometimes they're just these artistic things that you want to get involved in because you just get inspired or you, you know, you have an idea or you want to help someone else with their idea or whatever the. But I generally see things through and I'm, you know, I'm I don't really uh, sleep a lot or relax a lot. I kind of sure. sort of work all the time. But it's just that the work I do is creative stuff. So it's just kind of like, OK, I've, I've got a chunk of me that's writing and working on music and a few different projects. And then I've 
got a film career where I work mainly documentary films, but all that kind of came from having a long career as a director and working at TV and marketing and, you know, I was always a writer. That's how I got involved in everything was starting off being, you know, just a little kid doing creative writing in grade school and I was playing guitar and it all just came out of those same two things. It's all writing on some level, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, I, did, I wrote a lot of books along the way. I did eight different books, but writing was never something as an author that I necessarily even wanted to get into. Uh, it was really more that I had been a music journalist for a long time when I was a musician. I kind of kept moving up in that world and then eventually got offered a book deal to co-write with the Ramones tour manager, his like mm-hmm. story of yeah. the Ramones. And of course, being a huge Ramones fan, I was like, oh man, well this, I mean, I, okay, sounds like a lot of work, but this sounds awesome. <laughs> and I did it and then they, you know, I got offered another book and then another book and another book and I just kept on writing books. Honestly, a lot of it was that at that time I'd gotten divorced and then oh. the economy tanked. So I was like, if I write a book a year and get X amount as an advance on each one of those, then I could probably stay in my house. So I wrote eight books in eight years until I didn't need need to do it anymore. Um, I probably would never write another book again, quite frankly, but you never know. (laughs) You know, I write nonfiction, so they're like gigantic research projects. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I don't really want to do it again. I say the same thing about doing documentary films. I've been involved. I've directed two and and, uh, produced another one. And each one of them loved it, loved the subject matter. It's why I got involved in it, passion projects. But by the time you're done, you know, five years later, right. eight yeah. years later. You don't want to look and, at it you anymore. Know, and you, <laughs> and, but each time I'm done, I'm like, never again. Why would I do that? That's crazy. <laughs> and, then, and then someone's like, what about this? And I go, all right, I'll do another documentary. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. it's a real uh, never again, unless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where is... Where is Playing music, recording music, touring, you know, is much more rewarding in an immediate gratification kind of way. Like I can spend time here in my studio or go into a studio or go on the road or go on tour. I just got back from touring Spain, you know, like every night is you just you go, you know, if you wake up that morning going, I wonder how I'm feeling about my career tonight. By the end of the night, you're literally standing in front of a house of people screaming, ah! You're like, I feel pretty good about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I tend to these days like boots on the ground stuff. So it's like, I love playing music and making music because it's boots on the ground. I love directing music videos and I love directing digital content because generally it has a smaller footprint than a lot of the bigger studio stuff I've done. And what I mean by that is that like I can get in, get out, crew up with the people I like. We get paid quickly. None of this waiting six weeks, eight weeks to get paid. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. I know exactly what the client wants. They're dealing with me directly. Like when I do freelance directing these days, it's like all the fun and none of the bullshit. Right. It's much more of a commission situation where they have a very specific thing they're paying you to do. And yeah. then once that's done, it's done. They're not waiting to see how it does. Yeah. And also, you know, if you want it done, you want it done right. You know, come to someone that knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. and you know, get it done right, and don't and and all this this sort of extra. I saw an interview with a um, producer named The Alchemist recently. He's a hip hop producer. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his. They asked him sort of like, how do you 
you know, feel your places in show business now. And he goes, I don't even think I'm a part of show business anymore. Because, like, the whole mechanism of what, like, show business Hollywood is, I've done that for so long, I just moved into a different lane where, like, I speak directly to my fans, people that like what I do, I get out there and cater to them, and have sort of cut the whole, like, show business bullshit out of my art. And I'm not by any means saying I'm quite that successful or as good or as big as The Alchemist or anything like that. I'm just saying when I heard him say that, I was like, yeah, that's kind of like where I'm at. Don't get me wrong. I work within the, you know, you hire me. I'm going to get you what you want. That's, of course, mm -hmm. that's the job as a director and editor or anything. It's to please the client. But I'm kind of getting more and more out of this thing of being beholden to the machine, you know? Yeah, I think it's a lot of people's, like, goal but i think a lot of people are way worse at following through on it and realizing it than it sounds like you are it sounds like you're you know in a much uh, a much better I, place yeah, but all, it's, i think a lot of it too just because i've been doing this for so long man like which is just to say it's you know it's failure 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 and then you start to figure shit out yeah you know what i mean and that's the only way that anyone figures it out is you just don't have it figured out until you figure it out and for me it was you know tons of mistakes and miscalculations along the way but that's why i feel like i make so much less miscalculations and mistakes now mm -hmm. because i've just seen it all done it all thought i had it going on crash and burn <laughs> got back to the top of phoenix rising crash and burn <laughs> you know what i mean like and then after a while you start to kind of like it doesn't go from like highs and lows and highs and lows it starts to become just a little bit more like even right. and your highs and lows are a little less extreme and you don't freak out as much <laughs> i don't know what any of this has to do with transfers but well, <laughs> well you know what it kind of does because you talked about you know you make mistakes and then you learn not to make That's those mistakes true. and you get better and and that's kind of how our, that's how we've been running the show. We just started yeah. it, wanted to do it, forgot to turn the mics on on like an episode, and didn't have any opportunity to like re-record it, and just had to run it. And we're like, eh, it doesn't sound great. Apologies, we're really sorry. <laughs> but like, our guest is really like fun, and he knows what he's talking about, so it's still pretty good. And... That's you know what, and that's why you'll never make that mistake again. Because <laughs> it only it only takes one horrifying moment before you're like, oh yeah. my god. By the way, rule number one: r always check that. You know. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, we should introduce the show and introduce uh, let you introduce yourself. Uh, sure. Hello, excellent humans. Welcome to another episode of Hate Watch, Great Watch. I am your co-host Hunter Bush. I'm your co-host Allison Yukulis. And our guest today. I'm Frank Meyer. How you doing? Yeah, Frank Meyer with, with the most impressive CV of anybody I know I've ever spoken to, I think. Yeah, my resume is long and it's it's all over the place. I feel like if you didn't kind of have any kind of context, you'd be like, what what the hell is going on here? This is you know what I mean. It's it's, it's all over the place. Books and movies and music and but somehow I feel like it makes sense if you hang out with me because you kind of go, oh I see, he's just a weird <laughs> a weirdo that is he's like a weirdo work workaholic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Right, so it's the Swiss Army knife thing of being like, oh, I can do this thing, I can do this thing, do this thing, and, and then these skills translate to something else. If you exactly. had to give people the two opposite ends of the spectrum of your work experience, what would you, what would you consider them? Um, well, there's quite a few examples of that. I mean, on the musical level, I would be the degree of separation between James Williamson of Iggy and the Stooges, one of the most influential punk bands of all time, proto-punk, and cult Canadian heavy metal actor slash musician Thor. 
<laughs> star of rock and roll nightmare mm-hmm. and zombie nightmare. And I say that because I've played in both Thor's band and James Williamson's band and written and sang and recorded with both of them. And there's no reason why those two guys should <laughs> mm-hmm. come together except for me. If I were to talk about in the movie world why my my stuff is sort of maybe so super weird opposite is generally I did produce also a documentary movie about Thor and I you know I have a musical pedigree and sort of the rock punk rock heavy metal thing yet the movies that I've directed are all hip hop documentaries mm-hmm. uh, I've directed a number of movies who have risen the story of Sharon Hellraiser Smith which is about a Wu-Tang Clan mm-hmm. rapper that suffers yeah. a brain aneurysm and I've got a new one coming out called Freestyle 101 about the history of freestyle rap. It's narrated by Chuck D. It stars Ice-T and Tech 9 and nice. Hieroglyphics and M.O.P. and Mob Deep and Fat Joe and Dell and everybody. Insane Clown Posse's in it for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> and, uh, awesome. and that would be another thing if I had to cite something opposite is that for a guy who's, who's actually done a fair amount of you know hang time with, with legends like Chuck D and and uh, you know Ice T and all the you know and James Williamson and all yeah. uh, all these, I am shockingly in deep with the Juggalo community, and I actually <laughs> have interviewed Insane Clown Posse enough times that they I can call the office and say, hey, it's Frank, and like I can get right through. <laughs> like those guys all know me; I've known them for years. When I walk into a room with the ICP guys, they go, hey, Frank Meyer, what's going on? <laughs> like I mean, I swear to God, I was with a friend of mine who did, who did not know my Juggalo connection, and I was at a gig when I was at NBC. <laughs> we were interviewing them for this show called Attack of the Show. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was a I was also the digital producer on Attack of the Show for the entire run of the show. Um and I had ICP on and my friend is a hardcore juggalo, but I didn't tell him like my kind of real deep history. So they walked in and they were like, Hey Frank Meyer, what's up? Good friend of mine, man. And he just looked at me, he's like, What? I had no idea. <laughs> they were like, Hey man, you got you wanna if you, we got uh, we know you're a ghetto boys fan. We got ghetto boys playing at the gathering this year. Frank, we'll hook you up, we'll get you a, we'll get you a hotel room, we'll get you tickets, we'll fly you out, you're coming and I was like, guys, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not going to the gathering of the jugglers. I love you. You're the best, but no fucking way. <laughs> when I take a break, it just goes. I just go over to another. Yes. Piece. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'll be like, I got to take a break from these documentary films. I'm gonna go make an album with uh, the Three Walking Cheetahs, and I go over and you know do yeah. my punk for a while, and then when I get burnt on playing, uh, you know, rowdy punk rock shows, which. I don't really ever get burnt on playing rowdy punk rock shows, but sometimes I'll take a little break from that and go play in one of my other. I play right now. I'm playing in three active bands: this uh, Streetwalking Cheetahs, who are a longtime LA yeah. punk band. I have a band based in Europe called Trading Aces, sort of like a stoner rock sleaze metal band with members of Warrior Soul. I don't know if you know the band Warrior Soul. Um, and and then I have a blues rock band called Highway 61, and all of them have new records out, and all of them have been touring. So I kind of just bop between like the punk rock shows with the Cheetahs, and then I go over to Europe and play metal shows with Trading Aces, and I come back here and we play blues clubs with Highway 61. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's why like this episode will come out in September sometime because I'm trying to get enough of a lead with episodes of this that. I can focus on doing other things yeah. for a little bit where I don't have to worry mm-hmm. about this. Cause there's so many things that I've been backburnering for like a couple of years where I'm like, okay, now I really want to. Well, and you and I also have day jobs that have nothing oh, yeah. to do with any of these projects. No. Oh, yeah. well, so... believe me. And, and, and those day jobs, yep. you know, look, I mean, we all get miserable at them, but if you don't, figure out a way to make that money you can't do any of this fun stuff you right know? you either need to be monetizing your art which has its own 
you know hurdles yeah i was gonna say pitfalls and stuff yeah. or yeah. you're doing something to enable you to make your art but then you're sacrificing so much more time to yeah. get stuff done yep it's it, it's a balance i uh i was really lucky over the years to like play with a bunch of um sort of my musical heroes and 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 learn a little bit from each one of them and one guy that I learned a lot from was Wayne Kramer from the MC5. At some point, I met Wayne, and he was producing the Streetwalk and Cheetahs, and we ended up becoming his backing band. And for about you know two-ish years, I was I was in and out of Wayne's band pretty consistently, and played a ton of gigs. He used to call it you know doing the work, and he was the first person that I ever worked with on a creative level that would refer to what I always called playing. We're going to play a gig. We're going to play guitar. Play, play, play. It's all like this hedonistic, like, but Wayne was like, no, we got to do the work. We got to, you know, rehearsals work. The gigs are work. They're jobs. He referred to the gigs. You know, gigs. It's a gig. Right. Gig sounds light and yeah. fun. Job implies work and hours and, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. preparation. Yeah. And Wayne always sort of looked at everything very pragmatically and very much like a musician is a real job with a responsibility when you're on stage, your responsibility is to dazzle and entertain, or as mm -hmm. the MC5 used to say, kick out the jams or get the fuck off the stage. <laughs> and he really looked at the whole thing as like, you're lucky to be here, and you got to do your job, and you got to prepare and, you know, do, do the work. Yeah, I mean, it's music, so I can still do my job holding a beer. You know what I mean? Exactly. I'm, I'm not taking yes. it that seriously. No, it's a job, but it's a cool job. Yeah, it's a cool job, but, you know, one of the reasons why people like us gravitate towards the arts is that I, you know, I, I don't know if you figured this out, but I, I may not be the right person to stick in a cubicle. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. and I've done that job, but like, that's not yeah. my strength. You're not getting the best out of me. And so like, I've over the years figured out that my best working environment is generally on movie sets, TV sets, rock and roll clubs, late night situations. I can do my job, you know, in the straightest most, you know, thing, but I can also roll out to Spain and beer in my hand and chicharrones in my other hand and ready to rock and make it all happen, baby. <laughs> you know? That's, that's, that's rad. That's really great. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I say chicharrones because I didn't realize how much that I loved, you know, pork skins, pork cracklings, yeah, is that well. what they, until I went out to Spain and like my friend bought me a bag and I was like, poor cracklings, who, why, who, why? oh my God, I love these. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that's my thing I picked up there is I'm all about them. <laughs> I mean, also sometimes it's just finding a place that does it correctly. Yeah. 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 You're yeah, like, yeah. oh, this is, this is where I should get these. Right. Exactly. Right. Spain. Well, yeah. yeah no, and also now I've discovered that being back here that uh, if you want to get good, because in America we, we, it's pork rind. Right. Yep. It's essentially just the outer coating but if you get like the the mexican ones yeah. it's got a little fat in there too yeah yeah, oh, yeah. that's that mm -hmm. that's the that's the stuff right there baby yep. yeah they're not messing around <laughs> yep. yeah now of course you can't eat that shit every day or you know it's just, yeah, no. eat this girlish figure but yeah. you know really depends on how long of a career you want <laughs> right. right well clearly i'm not thinking these kind of things through i'm sure. a you know, I do the carrots in front of me, and I just go for the carrot. <laughs> or the chicharron. Chicharron, whatever, what have you. All right, let's talk about Trancers, which is a very... 1984 yes. Charles Band. Yeah. We mentioned Charles Band a couple of times, but I don't know if it's making it, making it into the edit. Oh, yeah. So. Directed by Charles Band. Yeah. Uh, PG-13, hour, 16 minutes. We like to give yeah. those stats. Real tight movie. It is. 
It's in and out. I mean, Charles Band does not yeah. does not mess around. I don't remember the runtime on Doll Man, but I can check my notes. It's but... also short. All yeah. those yeah. all those movies are pretty short, uh, which in, in this case I feel like works for it because, yeah. like you said, it's yeah. like a tight little movie. It's not a crazy plot, and they get in and out. You can wrap your head around it. I feel like saying it's not a crazy plot might be a little bit of well, an I understatement. Mean, I mean, okay, okay. Let me let me. Uh, it's an extremely crazy plot. Yeah. But but not one that's not, but it's not one that's difficult to un, sort of understand. Yeah. Like it's very linear the way yeah. it's sort of told. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? No, we do some voiceover. We do a lot of info yeah, dumping. Yeah, you hold your hand through you a know. lot of the plot stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of Thomerson voiceover explaining concepts for totally. us. Totally. In, like in case you're like, what's a slow moving bullet? He's like, a slow moving bullet is. You know. Right. Yeah. Uh, comparatively, Doll Man is luxuriant. Oh, yeah. Uh, at an hour and 22 minutes. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. that's, I mean, also, listen, that's the mean streets of New York. I mean, there's a lot going on in that movie. It's a multi-dimensional movie. You know, it that's that Trancers really, it just deals with time travel, whereas mm-hmm. Dollman deals with, like, multi-dimensional travel. And it takes a lot. You got to really set that up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and all the, you know, the, the split screen, all the, you know. Your little yeah. tiny, tiny actors and horse perspective. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so it's so fun. Yeah, I so, so I was familiar with Charles Band through you know like when I grew up in the sort of classic blockbuster '90s days, like all those Dollman, not you know Dollman, but also uh, the Puppet Master movies. Yeah. You know the, the subspecies; they were everywhere. But I didn't actually watch a lot of those at that time. Where I kind of knew Charles Band from was the younger days of Empire Pictures. And again, like when I saw some of my early Charles Band movies, I was a little kid and I didn't know they were Charles Band movies. Right. It wasn't until much later on when I kind of start like went on Wikipedia and start wait, wait, Charles Band made Metal Storm, the destruction of Jared Sin <laughs> and the Eliminators? What? I didn't know first off, I didn't realize that this one guy had made like like my whole life I had these movies registered in my brain as like the weirdest movie like Eliminator. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like the A team but with like a, a mandroid and <laughs> a samurai. It's so good. And like I saw the movie when I was a kid and I loved it. And then I saw Metal Storm, the destruction of Jared Sin in 3D as a kid, the North Hollywood UA6 theater. I mean, I remember it like nice. it was yesterday. And again, I didn't know the context. I didn't know it starred Tim Thomerson. Like, so then years later, I've seen, and also as a little kid, we had Z Channel and um, Tourist Trap used to play on Z Channel. Oh, and I nice. remember that movie being so weird. And again, just didn't put it together. And it wasn't until the pandemic and a friend of mine was like, you got to get this app called Tubi. You'll love it. It has all these terrible movies that you love. <laughs> and of course, it's the pandemic, so I had nothing else to do. Sure. And I downloaded Tubi and Trancers was the first one. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I remember this video cover. Then, you know, OK, sure. Had no idea that I was about <laughs> to watch my favorite B movie of all time, because as soon as it started opening shot, I was like, oh, whoa, this, this looks really cool. <laughs> And then Thomerson is Jack Death. I'm like, uh, this is the kind of anti-hero I can wrap my head around. <laughs> then the new wave music, the killing of Santa Claus, the tanning yeah. salon, like the Helen Hunt in leg warmers. I just like the movie just kept unfolding. I was like, this is the fucking greatest movie ever. And then it was like, if you like this, you might like Dollman. I'm like, wait, Thomerson is also Dollman? So I put on Dollman. <laughs> and by the end of that, I was like, all right, I have to watch every single movie in the Charles Band, Tim Thomerson canon, and I just started going down this path of watching all the Empire movies and all, at least sort of the classic era Full Moon, because Full Moon gets 
unfortunately very way off track at some point. Wow. But for the first, you know, 10-ish years of Full Moon, it's all pretty pretty golden. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I just got really deep into that and that and then I watched all the Transfers sequels and I bought the comic books. I've got I don't know if you can see oh. that. That's Trancer's future cop. Nice. <laughs> the European version. In my bedroom, much to the chagrin of my wife, I have a Trancer's poster as well. <laughs> um, and I've got the vinyl. Like, I really went really, really hardcore down the Jack Death path. I mm-hmm. even wrote a song that during the pandemic, when, you know, no one could play live music, the second any club in Long Beach where I lived would allow you to get on a patio and perform solo, I immediately booked, you know, because I was laid off my job so I just started playing every patio I could in town (laughs) to pay my rent and I wrote a song called Jack Death and would perform it every night and use it as an excuse to sort of go hey you guys ever heard of a movie called uh, Transfers Magnificent (laughs) yeah a little anti-hero called Jack Death and then I tell each verse like tells the story (laughs) of Jack Death and then in between the verses I would go and it stars Helen Helen Hunt yeah Mm -hmm. she's terrific you know I'm sort of like tell you (laughs) By the end, every night I would like there'd be all these people going, "Where can I get transfers? I mean, right. I gotta get it on Tubi, man." <laughs> yeah, we say a lot on this podcast. We're not sponsored by Tubi, but we are totally willing to be sponsored by Tubi because we love Tubi. It's the greatest. Mm-hmm. The great thing about Tubi is that, like, you know, it's not you don't have to pay for it as you go. Right. It's yeah. advertising based. Yes, you have to deal with some commercials, but every movie I ever wanted to see and didn't know I see is right there. So fuck it, I'll deal with commercials. Right. Yeah. In general, they kind of embrace like, no, we're just the stockpile of every obscure movie and live TV and blah, blah, blah. But what's cool is, do you know that Tubi made both Terror Train 2 and Mutilator 2? Yes, I I did know. uh, Well, I knew about Terror Train 2. I didn't know that they were involved with Mutilator 2. And Mutilator 2, I mean, Mutilator is so obscure no one even really has seen the movie. All it's anyone great. knows well, is the poster. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like a kind of a fun, um, you know, knockoff of uh, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. But this is the poster of the girl hanging right. on the hook. Is really the me- but like I'm wild guessing that they just put that up on Tubi, and because of that rad poster, enough people watched it where someone went, you know, if we spent. Mm, Right, and very over little. ten years, we, yeah. we made Mutilator Two. It will make a return. Hey, uh, the entire cast and director is still alive. Give that guy a call. He probably yeah. hasn't done anything. And they and they, the whole cast and yeah. the director made Mutilator Two. They That's just, very cool. They just showed it uh, like a few weeks ago on yeah. um, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah, the original Mutilator. The original, yeah. It, this is Fall Break, right? Yeah, Fall Break. Okay, yeah. It's just I... <laughs> good slash unwatchably terrible as the first one you know what i mean yeah. just, but that's great you know yeah you're I mean? just like let's let's do it like yeah why not yeah. of course i want I mean, another mutilator like 25 years later like yeah of course. and what's I mean, the I've, mutilator been up to the thing is mutilator is a fun campy movie but it's not necessarily like a great classic therefore you can't go wrong with the sequel whereas right. terror train actually is a killer i think terror yes. Train is a yes. great movie and the sequel was not so good and I almost kind of go like, eh, don't fuck up a good Jamie Lee Curtis movie. Because yeah. that terror train is at David Copperfield. Yes, it's, that's David Copperfield it's doing good, magic. It's way better than I remember. Another good one in that genre of like 80s sort of forgotten ones. Have you ever seen one with um, Linda Blair and Vincent Van Patten called Hell Night? Yes. Oh, yeah. that solid, sounds very familiar. Solid, solid, There's another of uh, Toby Hooper's early one, Funhouse. Yes. Fun yes, I love yes. Funhouse. I wrote about Funhouse for Movie like, John. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of people kind of sleep on that one, but it's it's solidly great. That's a great mm-hmm. one. I don't know. I think that that era, the early '80s uh, horror and sci-fi, you know, that you now would essentially call B movies, except a lot of those, you know, like 
Funhouse was done for United Artists, like I think. Like mm. some of those weren't actually indies, but that genre yeah. uh, is kind of like my favorite. I just love that whole, you know, anything. Yeah, there's from- yeah. a specific like flavor to those movies, like uh, even like the Evil Dead, the original Evil Dead, and oh, like all those where that's, they were I just mean, like my... they were like, what can't we do? Like they were just like, let's just try a thing, and there was a whole uh, yeah. Well, a whole... Also, it was a time period where those were considered very profitable for not a lot of money comparatively. Yeah, because you were yes. dealing with very unknown actors, and you were dealing with like effects artists and effects houses that were all about cost cutting and vcr uh, like uh, home home video you know was becoming a market do you guys know the whole connection between evil dead 2 and raising arizona evil dead 2 and raising arizona no i don't think so here's the connection and and when i tell you this your assignment is to watch these two movies back to back so that it proves my theory, because I'm kind of about to get, I'm sort of about to Wizard of Oz Pink Floyd you. Was that uh, one of the ones that uh, was Ethan Cohen was? Uh... So what happened is Blood Simple, which is the debut of the yeah. Cohen yes. brothers, came out, and Evil Dead came out in the same year, and all of them went uh, to the Cannes Film Festival to promote their movies, and they met Bruce Campbell, right. Sam Raimi, Robert Tapert, and the Cohen brothers, all met at the Cannes Film Festival, and they loved each other's movies. Both movies and both, you know, had like crazy camera angles, mm-hmm. and that was yep. definitely one of the things they all kind of bonded on. And even though Evil Dead One isn't as comical as Evil Dead Two, there's certainly some comical stuff in there. Definitely. So they all kind of bonded. Now, uh, the Coen Brothers served as script supervisors and assistant directors on Evil Dead Two. I think I did. And mm-hmm. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell served as script supervisors and assistant directors on Raising Arizona. <laughs> now, think about those movies in that both movies star a protagonist who is downright cartoony, he's so goofy, sure. mm-hmm. right? Both movies open with a long, long tracking yeah. shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, evil Dead has the, from the point of view of the evil when it goes through the cabin yeah. and yeah. burns mm-hmm. through the car. But remember in Raising Arizona, when the when the gal discovered, Nathan Arizona's wife discovers the babies, that the babies gone. are gone, the camera shoots through their property, shoots through the car, shoots over the jungle gym, goes up the, up side the ladder, the right yeah. the mouth, just like fucking Evil Dead 2. <laughs> Both movies end with the final act being that our hapless idiot protagonist, who is essentially unleashed a forces he can't control in evil dead it's the deadites but in raising arizona it's uh all the trouble essentially everyone you know sort of ratting on him and his neighbors everyone wanting to cash in and then eventually what happens they both face an unnameable unstoppable force that's true in evil dead it's the giant head that comes out and drags him into Mm -hmm. uh, army of darkness yeah and in raising arizona it's it's the biker biker from hell who we don't know the name of he's just an unstoppable force Mm -hmm. isn't that crazy they're the same fucking movie dude (laughs) that's great they follow the same structure and they're both wacky three stooges-esque you know, comedy yeah, with slapstick and mm-hmm. you know all the goofy shit from like a from a Bugs Bunny or a Three Stooges. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that until I read this article in like American Cinema Fantastique or one of those you know movie magazines back in the '90s. Might have been Film Threat or something. And uh, and I and I read the connection, and then there actually is a book about the Coen Brothers that talks all about it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know that uh, in Evil Dead Two, there's the uh, they have somebody deliver the line like that. That fool's gone blood simple, and I knew that was. Like, oh wow, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that I didn't know about. That's cool. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's their friends. I was like, they're friends. Yeah, he they're, worked on this and movie. And also, um, 
you know, both Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are both in Hudsucker Proxy yes. as actors. And I think Raimi is credited on that as either an associate producer or he's 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 got a couple roles in that movie, but like he's an actor in that too, and Bruce Campbell's in that. I mean, those guys throughout their whole career, it, certainly in the early days, were doing a lot of um, you know helping each other out. But but that kind of goes back to what we were saying before. Throughout my career, I've had people that when I meet someone and I like to work with them, I work with them forever until there's a re- compelling reason not to. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Like, you meet along the way, whether they're music, you know, in my case, musicians, filmmakers, writers, you know, you meet so many assholes along the yeah. way that you're just like, oh my God, I got to get off this gig to get away from these people. That when you actually meet someone that's amazing and that you like really relate to, relate with, work well with, you're like, oh my God, what, what, can we do more of this? Because this makes it all easy. Like, if we can just be with cool people and shorthand this shit, like, oh my God, we don't have to go through. Right. Know, like, cut a lot of the middleman out. Yeah, you know? somebody that you like vibe with, as as the kids say, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, yeah. that you're you're just like, oh, this is inspiring. Like, we're you know, like that energizes you. I'm a yeah. much, I'm a better collaborative like writer and like creative than I am totally solo. There's a horror movie director that was sort of a. I don't know if I'd say mentor, but certainly a huge inspiration, maybe a mentor. Joe Lynch. Uh, he, oh, yeah. He, his new, he's got a new movie coming out, um, an H.P. Lovecraft movie with yeah, uh, uh, suitable, suitable Flesh. Flesh. Yeah. Yeah, but he also directed Mayhem, yeah. and he directed... Bliss. Bl- yep, and he did um, Everly, which is a great movie, uh, oh, Summer yeah. Hayek and Chillerama, Knights of Badassdom. Anyways, he actually was the director of photography on my first film risen and is shot a lot of my next film um freestyle 101 and he and i met when we were at g4 together he was uh, also oh. at g4 tv mm-hmm. and so he chris gore from film threat myself yeah. a whole bunch of us were working on attack of the show and some of the other g4 stuff and at that time i had come in to the network as a writer but then i was producing as a field producer and Joe was just starting to direct. He was, you know, had got his first couple films. And um, at some point he was like, you know, you should, you should direct. And I was like, I don't know, man. Because Joe had, was a, had a couple more years experience than me. And, you know, he was just so great at what he did. And I got to see him, like, really direct. Mm-hmm. Not like field producer, like really direct on sets. And, you know, I just sort of thought, like, wow, that's such a a daunting, overwhelming position to be like, you know, like like the Captain Kirk of the Enterprise. There's a lot of buttons and shit you got to push, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, no, man. He goes, look, <laughs> first off, you're a lead singer, so you already kind of understand the, the position. He's like, second off, like, you're the loudest guy in the room. You always know what you want. You you love to yell at people, and you always <laughs> and you, you always come in with the vision. He goes, like, that's, that's directing. He's that that's really the job. And I was like, Really? And he's like, yeah, you know, if it's the things you don't know, then you make sure you hire people that know those things. Right. I feel like a lot of times what it takes is just knowing someone that's doing something that's what you want to do or that's just a little bit better and more challenging than what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that for me has been a big theme, I think, throughout my career is just like just kind of standing next to someone. I'm like, man, I'd like to do that. <laughs> and then being maybe just a nice enough person where someone goes, well, hey, let me uh, let me help you do that. Or let me give you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. being yeah. the guy that maybe can have that conversation with someone and they go, sure, I'll, I'll give you a few tips, kid, you know? And so for me, you know, whether it was a Joe Lynch along the way or I've had a few people in my life that, you know, I mean, Dweezil Zappa when I was a kid, like wow. taught me how to play guitar. I mean, I already knew a little bit, but I met him when I was a, about 12 years old and 
I think we wanted, he kind of wanted to hang out with me, but I, I probably wasn't a good enough guitar player to be hanging out with him because he was really good. <laughs> so he essentially decided to make me a better guitar player, probably just so that I could be less embarrassing of a friend. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, that was like being in the right place at the right time and being uh, smart enough to shut up and listen. You know, when someone that knows what they're doing says, hey, let me show you a thing or two, like, you should listen. Also with this kind of stuff, it is very collaborative. So you do want people that are skilled, but also you want people that you can work well with. I've absolutely seen people, you know, when we were hiring um, actors for one of the short films and stuff, we had some people show up. One guy was over an hour late to his call time, which... which is, but that, that just tells you they don't care. Right. right. I mean, unless they walked in and said, like, look, my car just got hit. I barely got, you know, there could be an exception. Somebody was in a car accident. It wasn't the hour late guy. The car accident guy was only 15 minutes late. (laughs) And and he clearly had a good excuse. You're like, hey, you got a car accident. Now, that is an excuse. Right. Right. And so I'm I'm like, in in my head, I'm like, yeah, right. Why why even show up at that point? Because you've made it clear that, like, we can't trust you to respect everybody else's time that's going to be working on this with you. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and I have never bought into the, the flaky artist syndrome where people go, well, they're an artist. I go, yeah, I'm an artist, too. And you know what I do? I show up to stuff on time right? because I respect other people's time. And I also I want you to know when, I, you know, that I'm serious. And you're yeah. not if you show up late, you ain't serious. Yeah, you're you're treating it like work. You're not treating it like play. And it's also, not a I'll tell you, that to me is something I've learned. You know, we talked about earlier, like, you know, I, I've grown up in in Hollywood and you know my brother's an actor and you know I've I've met like people on every level of the sort of success pedestal you know what I'm saying like I've met people that are giant superstars and I've met struggling actors and being an asshole and showing up on time and having a good work ethic has nothing to do with success that's something I've learned I used to sort of think like oh famous people like you know they can do whatever they want no not the good ones yeah it seems like such a no-brainer you know who's not concerned with uh, the feelings of others? <laughs> Jack Death. That's true. <laughs> God, I can't believe his name is Jack Death. It's so good. It's the greatest. <laughs> you know, and here's something I thought I thought about. So Jack Death to me is the first time that I've seen or heard, you'll see where I'm going with this, in mm-hmm. time, Death spelled without the A. And I wonder, was Megadeth first or Jack Death first? <laughs> uh. Megadeth and Jack Death are the only ones that dropped the A. Yeah. And although I guess maybe Megadeth was first because Megadeth was, well, 82. I'm, I feel like it's, I mean, 84, I feel like is the year that Speed Metal and Jack Death broke. So I don't know what's <laughs> first, but I wonder if one of them didn't influence the other one. There's just something in the zeitgeist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I, happens I occasionally. It. Sure, definitely. Yeah. But no, I love, I love, I, I knew that. That was like the only thing I really knew about this going in was that his name was Jack Death. And I was like, that's great. And you know, the thing is that Thomerson, Tim Thomerson, who plays Jack Death, had a really interesting career. Yeah. Again, I didn't know this until I watched, you know, all five Trancers movies mm-hmm. and went like, I got to know more about this Thomerson character. And he's in a bunch of Charles Band movies. And he's also in a bunch of, you know, who Albert P- Pion, know yeah. And yeah, he's in a bunch of Albert. He was sort of like one of the Albert Pion players. That's a club I'd like to get into. <laughs> Sadly, passed away. But mm-hmm. um, but like for instance, he's in um, was it oh my Nemesis? Have you mm-hmm. seen Nemesis? By the way, I saw Nemesis. Dude. I I own the sequels, but I haven't watched them yet. But Nemesis, Nemesis is rad. Is so that is by 
far the best Albert Pion movie. It is there's a action scene on a on a uh, on a water slide going backward. <laughs> he there's a scene where he shoots the hole in the ground and it keeps shooting and drops floor by floor. Yes. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. The action in that movie is so much bigger and more insane. It's like on some John Woo shit or like some Raid Redemption shit. Mm-hmm. It's so far ahead of its time. And then of course I'm watching. I'm like, and there's Thomason. <laughs> like, he's in everything. He's the greatest. He's doll man. He's he's the the, the bad guy in Nemesis. But like I, I kind of noticed though that Thomerson, he is almost like Leslie Nielsen, where it's like before he was doing all this wacky stuff, he was like a comedian, and he hmm. was like around during the Richard Pryor, uh, you know, Robin Williams early comedy store, oh, right LA, you know, with David Letterman and Jay Leno and all those guys, and he was basically a stand-up comedian, and then was doing you know just stuff like Mork and Mindy and The Love huh. Boat. And, you know, Fantasy Island, just kind of like, you know, like comedian that didn't quite make it, you know, was in like stuff like Thank God It's Friday and Beer the Movie, like nothing Mm -hmm. memorable until he did Jack Death. And then all of a sudden, kind of like Leslie Nielsen, who was just this sort of like shticky B-movie actor who Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden got Airplane and then became a comedy superstar just parodying his own work, you know right. what I mean? Like, meaning in his earlier movies, he was the serious guy. And then yeah. in Airplane, he parodied the serious guy and then just became like a comic legend. But he was doing the same thing. Yeah, Leslie mm-hmm. Nielsen uh, is in like one of the first season uh, um, episodes of Columbo. And he showed yeah. up and I was like, yeah, this is going to be like serious Nielsen. And he is. Yeah. And it's actually but, like great. Like he's yeah. good but at also, it. Like, he's kind of being the exact same. Like serious Nielsen is just Naked Gun Nielsen right. without without a punchline. Right, because yeah. he's a straight man in those. Like, yeah. He yeah. thinks everything he's doing is everything, totally normal. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. His role is always a straight man. So, But he came from being a non, non-ironic non straight man. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny, like, with, with Thomerson, too, that he was this wacky comedian who ended up finding work as, like, a hard-boiled, you know, like, noir cop. Like, yeah. not really the persona that he was pushing for, like, 20-something years, grinding it. You know, when you look at... If you go on YouTube and look at early Thomerson stuff... He was kind of like sort of a Steve Martin knockoff. You know, okay. he had the white mm-hmm. hair and, you know, he's kind of being like a California mm-hmm. super guy. You know, hey, man, I'm kind of an asshole, but isn't it funny? <laughs> and then, you know, but then the role he ends up becoming famous for is Jack Death, which is this hard, grizzled cop. Who, of course, he's funny, but he's funny because he's playing it so seriously, mm-hmm. you know? Right, and it's so outlandish and the setting yeah. is so crazy. I yeah, just watched I mean, a, a, a Tim Thomerson movie today, um, Flesh Tone. Uh, do you know this? Is that an Albert Puyan movie? <laughs> no, it's on... It um, sounds it's, like it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on Criterion. It's on the Criterion channel. Uh, it's an erotic thriller from the, like, 90s. Um, and he plays, like, the main character's best friend. Who's the main character? Uh, who, who was it? Anyone? Oh. Jan Michael Vincent, by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> that would be Lorenzo me. Lamas. I was just talking about uh, Renegade for some reason the other day. Renegade, solid. It's fun. I grew up watching that all the time, and I was like, I have nothing but fond memories of Renegade. I, I you know, I used to love all that, um, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger. And yeah. dude, by the way, have you ever seen um, Chris Elliott's Eagleheart? Yes. Oh my god. Dude, it's like it's like a super gory comedic <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger, where everyone dies. It's so great. <laughs> I love it. It's Martin Kemp. Uh, that name sounds familiar. Waxwork. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know okay. exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah, he's yeah. the main character, and uh, I'd never heard of it, and then I was looking at, what's like... what's it called? Flesh Tone? Flesh Tone, yeah. You know what? It already sounds hot. It's pretty good, like... <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like it's like a weird movie about a conspiracy trying to frame an artist, and I'm not sure why really, but neither is he. I think it's on Tubi, 1994. Martin Kemp. I'm looking at it right now. There you go. Tubi, man. Uh, damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll watch that. Um, I watched one recently. Oh, uh, uh, Albert Puyan Thomerson one called, oh, is it Split Second? I yes, I haven't called. seen that, but that's apparently it's, great. It's, uh, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's way better than it should be. It's solid. Yeah, that was uh, when 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 Albert Pune passed away. That was like a thing. Everybody was like, "You have like if you haven't seen an Albert Pune movie, check this one out." And I was like, "Sounds yeah. pretty good." When I was a kid, I saw Dangerously Close in the movie theaters. That's how old I am because <laughs> that's like eighty four or eighty six maybe. But Dangerously Close is one of his like sort of you know teen murder movies. Yeah, yeah, I know of it. I've never seen it. It's with. Um, Oh, uh, the guy from Christine, Dean Stockwell. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's Dean Stockwell and some, oh, and Chris Penn. I oh, think yeah. it's nice. Chris Penn. I think it's, I think, unless I'm mixing it up with another teen murder, you know, flick. Sure. Cause there was, there was a rash of those at that time. There was yeah. like the new kids and there was dangerously close and there was Angel, which was like the girl mm-hmm. who was also a hooker. Yeah. And there was um oh what was the other one with um James Spader? James Spader's in like all oh. of them. Oh, that's the new kids. He's in the new yeah. kids. He's in the new kids. Yeah, with that bleach blonde hair. Yeah. He's supposed to be like the that... coke dealing like head of a southern like dr- drug group or whatever. Yeah. Isn't there another one around that time where he plays twins? Oh, Jack's back. Ah, yeah. Oh, that's wow. what I was I thinking of. About Jack's back. That that's is another eighties one too, right? Yeah. 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 Late eighties, maybe early nineties at the outside. Oh, tough turf. Tough turf. Oh, yeah. Boy. Tough, tough turf. turf rules. Yeah. <laughs> that's a movie with a great soundtrack too. Tough turf. He's like the the good guy. Yeah. But in um, but in the new kids, he's the bad. He's guy. the worst guy in the new kids. The worst guy. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, this he, is he why James Spader still has a career. Because, yeah. you know, much like Robert Downey Jr., that kid was acting his heart out back in the yeah. 80s. Yeah. Yeah, Spader has, like, such a weird vibe. But yep. when he's used right, he's so good at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I got to watch. I don't think I've ever seen Jack's back, actually. It's pretty, oh, it's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it was enjoyable. It's, it, yeah. it's on Tubi, so yeah. I'll be watching it. Man, yeah. Tubi's great. Um, <laughs> I think the takeaway from this episode, as many episodes, is that Tubi is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. My my first experience with James Spader though was Secretary. Oh, Secretary! Oh, <laughs> Secretary is great. There's a place for high art and there's a place for low art. Yeah, totally. One of my favorite, you know, musicians and just overall sort of like philosophers was Frank Zappa. But yeah. Frank Zappa would sometimes do Louie Louie yeah. in concert. Yes. Because in his mind, he was like, yeah, like part of rock and roll is just like that dumb shit three chord Louie Louie. Because yeah. any moron can sing it. And that's, and like, don't under, you know, like, let's not forget that like there is just a basic need in art to entertain people and get people up out of their seats and excited about something. And that's not, you know, there's, art is a complex multi dimensional thing. And mm-hmm. like, multi-dimensional see what i did there we went we're right. yeah. but you know meaning like there's there's a place for thinking person's art that, that gets you inspired and thinking about challenging things and there's a place for soccer chants that are right. just yeah. for everyone with a beer to go oh and like 100 yeah. yeah and you can even kind of appreciate that's why you know like we went my wife and i saw asteroid city you know the oh, other yeah. day. Oh, nice. like yeah. i loved it and it was great and, you know, there's just so much going on in that movie from the colors to the script to all this stuff. 
and it, it gets you thinking about a lot of things. But then, like, I saw Terrifier too, and like, I didn't necessarily love it, but like, I see the value in just some fucking trashy ass horror, blood and guts mayhem. And it doesn't have to. And 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 when I watch a movie like that, I'm not looking for the message. It's not there's not everything needs a message. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay to just revel in in craziness and fun and weirdness sometimes. You know? Yeah. Occasionally, they will sneak one in. <laughs> I mean, like, to, to, you know, continue the, like, music metaphor, like, you can go see uh, a band that's gonna, like, really affect you deeply emotionally, make you think about things, make you, like, feel things, or you can go see Guar, and you <laughs> yeah! can get covered in, in fucking weird fluid, and, <laughs> you know, and you leave sweaty, and you don't even know what's on you, and everybody's like, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Like, transfers, there's no, there's no great, like, life-changing... I will say that there is one idea not one there's a lot of cool ideas in that movie but one idea in that movie that actually is kind of unique and i'm assuming y'all like myself have seen your fair share of time yes. travel movies right we actually went through a period where that was all we were watching <laughs> yeah. and i yeah i loved and i you know like there's a lot of great ones time bandits yeah. time crimes you know yeah. looper yeah. but like one thing that i really liked in this movie that i sort of feel is unique is the idea that you can only travel in time through someone in your own oh. lineage and that you have to basically take over the consciousness oh, yeah. of someone of a blood relative direct lineage. And, that the, and then the weirder thought about that is that in order for you to take the place in their consciousness, their, con their normal consciousness sort of gets just put dormant yep. for a while, which is weird when you think about Jack Death goes back to like his descendants. Yeah, Philip. And then like that guy's put on ice for a minute, you know, for, for like, for yeah. like, until, it, until it's time to bone, basically. Right. His name <laughs> is Philip Death. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. I was like, Jack Death works so well for like future cop. But Philip, yeah. but hey, Philip I'm Philip Death. Death. I'm a reporter is the weirdest. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's great. But, but I do think that's kind of a cool, unique twist on the time travel, you know. Um... That is the entire conceit of the whole Assassin's Creed line of video games is that mm. it's set in the future they go into like like yeah, simulations it, it, of the past right in it, your along, along well, their then I'm, bold, I'm gonna boldly say that assassin's creed is a direct rip off <laughs> 100%. Of right. Right. oh yeah as we we're watching it last night allison like i don't know 20 minutes in not oh. even turned oh, yeah. to me and goes yeah. so this is like assassin's creed and the terminator oh, and i was like yeah. it definitely yeah, is. yeah they're doing a terminator yeah they're doing an Assassin's Creed to prevent a Terminator. That was my note. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm with you on this. Yeah, yes. and it's great. Like, have you guys seen the sequel? No, no. no that's the thing. <laughs> Last night, uh, I don't know if every version is like this, but our credits because uh, I have like a bare bones DVD that I got at, like a thrift store, but the credits had the trailer for Transfers Two, and I was and I was just like, wow. Oh, yeah. I was like, I, and it's like immediately like they're like, oh, it's yeah. Transfers 2. Is it are we going to focus on talking about, you know, the return of Whistler or something or anything? Yeah. It's like, no, no. it's two all wives. about two wives. And I was like, I must see this. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's basically just him banging different women. Um, it's so important to have priorities. Three's company. <laughs> now, so here's here's a, let me give you some quick thoughts on the on the rest of the okay. Transfers movie, because I've seen them all. Transfers 2 was made almost 10 years later. Yep. Essentially, wow. Transfers was made for Empire Pictures. And Empire Pictures was the studio that Charles Band ran for, a, you know, I don't know, maybe eight years or so. And they ended up going bankrupt. He then formed Full right. Moon Pictures. And in that interim, 
when he launched Full Moon, you know, he eventually started Transfers 2 and all the other sequels over at Full Moon. So it's a few years later. Helen Hunt, by the time they made Transfers 2, she was already right. on Mad About uh-huh. You and way too famous to keep being in Transfers movies. But because she, like, sort of felt like, well, they gave me my start and also apparently, like, Band and Thomerson are just fun guys to be around, she did it just kind of for the hang. So she's not only in two, she's in three as well. Wow. Oh, that rules. Wow. Which is Great. amazing. Each yeah. time she's got a lesser role. But Transfers 2, she's legitimately, you know, in the movie a lot. Now... Trancers 2 is sort of the Evil Dead 2 to Evil okay. Dead, meaning whereas Trancers is sort of gritty, Trancers 2 is a wacky comedy and immediately <laughs> abandons a whole film noir vibe and any like cool vibe, action-y sort of mystique about Trancers is long gone by Trancers 2. It's basically Charles Band clearly had two locations, a mansion and a castle. <laughs> he, had, he had some golf carts. And he had Helen Hunt, and that, and and that's about it. And it's there's it's now now here's what he also had. He also had a little guy named Jeffrey Combs. Oh man! He had Barbara Crampton, and oh. the guy wow. who got him spacing on his name, but the guy who plays the villain is like in tons of '80s shitty movies. Uh, Richard. Oh, Richard Lynch. Yeah. So Richard Lynch is the bad guy. So meaning. It's a star-studded cast. Yeah, that's a good cast. And Jeez. So the first time I watched it, I laughed out loud throughout the whole thing, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a hilarious comedy. The second time I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, it's not a hilarious comedy. <laughs> it's worth seeing because it is funny. Now, Trancers 3 kind of slightly gets back to the Trancers vibe of it actually being a little bit more sci-fi. Okay. Tom Hopkins is involved. He teams up with a a, a, guy, a a guy with a shark head named Sharkhead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, sure, yeah. And uh, who, by the way, at literally at the end of the movie, Sharkhead and Thomerson go like, "Well, clearly we'll be up to some more adventures <laughs> in future movies." And then like Sharkhead is never seen again. I don't understand why they clearly set up Sharkhead as like, "I found myself a new sidekick." <laughs> never then, mentioned like, again. Never Holy shit, that's amazing. By Transfers 4, Charles Band does the old, like, he ta- he shot one movie and divides it into two. So Transfers 4 and 5 are the same dumb okay. movie where he goes back into medieval times, i.e. the castle mm-hmm. location. So now he's just down to one location, the castle. It's an Italian castle that he bought and shot 10 years of movies at. All the well, subspecies yes. yeah. are yeah. shot at the Okay, that makes sense. Uh, every movie from the 90s in Full Moon is shot at the castle because that was the only free location he could get because he bought the fucking mm-hmm. castle. Anyway, here's the bomb I'm about to drop. Okay. There's a movie called Transfers 1.5 City of Angels, and that movie is the actual direct sequel to huh. Transfers and okay. was shot... A few years later, as part of an anthology movie that was so expensive, it ended Empire Pictures, and that's why Full Moon Pictures oh, wow. started. Wow. He made a movie that was supposed to be a reunion of all the Empire Pictures players. So there's an H.P. Lovecraft movie starring Barbara mm-hmm. Cramden and Herbert West, directed by, I mean, uh, Jeffrey Combs, directed by Stuart Gordon. It's like a, a reunion of the reanimator from Beyond mm-hmm. cast, okay. and it's in a 
It's a different movie, though. It's another H.P. Lovecraft. There's a Trancer mm-hmm. sequel, and there's a Dungeon Master sequel. Wow. <laughs> the movie bankrupted the company Jeez. and was never finished. All these years later, Charles Band found the original prints, and he since cleaned up Trancers and released it, and it's on Tubi as Trancers 1.5, Sins wow. of Angels. And it's the full original cast, including Helen Hunt, before right. Mad About You, yeah. so she's still like fully invested. And it is only 20 minutes long, but it's a full-blown Trancers sequel with the noir tone <laughs> and the dope shots, and the, it, it's fucking amazing. However, it never got finished at the time and only got finished about, you know, five, six years ago. But you got to watch it. Now, here's the other crazy thing. They also released the H.P. Lovecraft one. I'm spacing on the name right now, but it's um, I'll think of it in a second. But they released the Barbara Crampton, Jeffrey Combs one also came out. The only one that didn't come out is the Dungeon Master sequel. Oh, wow. And the Dungeon Master sequel, which I don't know if you've seen Dungeon Master. It's I haven't. Fucking amazing. It features, do you know the heavy metal band Wasp? Yes. Yes. It features Wasp. It features Richard Maul from Night Court, the bald oh, guy yeah. from Night Court. It's a killer, really fun movie. And the sequel reunites Richard Maul and stars Leaving from Fear. Oh, man. We love, we love Leaving on <laughs> yeah, this show. Yeah, we do. He's in it, and it still remains unreleased. That's wild. That must be a thing that Charles Band likes, because he did like another anthology thing for Full Moon called Bad Channels. Yeah, oh, Bad yeah. Channels. Bad Channels is a fun one, and if you recall, Dollman Two brings in the cast of Bad Channels and Dollman into one. Or wait, is it Dollman Two or is it Dollman versus Demonic? I think toys? it's Demonic but, Toys. I think it's the yeah, first but the, the toys. girl from from Bad Channels is in is in that yeah is in that because she gets shrunk down and he's shrunk down. <laughs> So why wouldn't you combine those franchises? <laughs> right. Those shrunken franchises. Yeah. And Bad Channels, uh, the entire soundtrack is done by Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so yeah. wild. That's literally the reason I bought it. I was like, what is this now? I was like, yeah, I must own this. I do love yeah. when a, I'm going to say like, you know, mainstream or made it big band appears very strongly with a film oh yeah, yeah yeah it absolutely tickled me that queen had like a whole concept album with highlander flash gordon. oh and flash gordon too yeah flash gordon. that's true yeah flash, you know, queen got invested in a yep. few sci-fi yep. flicks yeah yeah you know freddie mercury was like they're like hey you want to write like a song for this and he was like i have a whole album i have an album yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, he was like uh, just trying to stop me we also yeah, watched that be weird, like if you uh, came to me and were like uh we, any Thoughts on the Jack Death soundtrack? I mean, I have the whole thing written, my friend. <laughs> Let me Dropbox you the tabs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing that you can do. No, that's you. good. That was good. That was sure, good. Yeah, that's, yeah. That was very inside baseball. That was good. <laughs> like that. We mentioned Helen Hunt. We mentioned Tim Thomerson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Art LaFleur. Art LaFleur is in this. Dude. Noted character actor who yeah. I love. Have you guys seen uh, Zone Troopers? Zone Troopers is another, um, it's an Empire Pictures film, and it features uh, Thomerson, Art LaFleur, and I think it's written by the transfer. It's basically kind of a transfer okay. reunion of sorts. It's not bad. It's, yeah, it's, I, I remember liking it, but I don't remember much about it. It's, it's World War Two, and it's you know Americans fighting the Nazis, and they stumble upon a, st- a spacecraft, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's With some wacky aliens. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah he, he's uh, McNulty in this. He's 
So what he's he's Jack he's basically Jack Death's uh He's his uh boss kind of like yeah, he's like the chief. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also how about Telma Hopkins from 227? She plays she's yeah. of the uh, Q in the picture. She's the one that gives them all his weapons. Oh, yeah. You know, she was yeah. in she was like a big sort of musical star in the 70s and a singer and an actress and then in the 80s she was on his uh this comedy sitcom, two two seven, you know, but she's like another OG, like yeah. Art Lafleur, like been around forever. Probably at the time was like, God damn it, I have to do this cheap sci-fi movie. But you know <laughs> what I mean, like. But then sometimes, you know, those movies are what endures you to people like us. Like most people don't know about two two seven anymore, but we know a lot about Trancers. Right. <laughs> also, you know, sometimes you just got to get a paycheck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, she's in Transfers 2 and 3, so she was along. Oh, nice. I think she might be in 4 and 5. She's along for the ride, you know? All right. Yeah, she's like, I can trade a witty dialogue with Hell Tim yeah, Thomerson. Tim that's Thomerson. fine. Yeah. yeah, like the best of them. That was such a, like, funny moment because it's so, like, genre-bucking. <laughs> yeah, have... it's anachronistic for yeah. To, yeah, yeah. to do the, like, well, Mr. Bond. I right. Have this... Especially that it's a watch. Like, that's right. such a James Bond. Well, it's a watch. Uh, of course. Yeah. And then also, I mean, like, we had started the movie in this diner, doing you know kind of a blade runner but also we're like kind of zombies yeah but like also oh you want the real coffee that'll cost you so it's also a little like dystopian right right like a little like soylent green yeah yeah yeah, you know and then we're yeah doing like this like little james bond pastiche for like a minute and a half before before he 12 monkeys back in time like right Or as I said, Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I, no, my favorite I detail in the diner scene is uh, the the other guy in the booth who like sees all this happening and like is gonna. He's like yelling at Jack Death. He's like, "Don't hit her. She's the waitress." And he's like, "She's a, you know, she's a trancer. Like I gotta scorch her. What? Is, that's not scorch. It's uh, singe. Uh, yeah, singe. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, I gotta singe her. And he's like." Either help me or get get out of here, or whatever. And that guy runs out, and there's like a beacon that's like the it's like pulling the alarm. Yeah, yeah. But it's he like, ran out, like yeah, he yeah. pulls this big lever, and this like beacon shines, and it starts like you know alarming. And I was like, that's such a weird, cool detail. And it's like it's like the hover car where you're just like, cool, great. This is like such. Per- I love world building. Like yeah, I love yeah, like I concise, like smart, I cute heard, little world building. I read at one point, and I sure would love to have seen this um, script or 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 whatever but like at one point i heard thomerson was out pitching a transfers tv show like in the 90s or early 2000s and i don't know whether he was producing it to star in it or just maybe to be produce it you know sure yeah. um yeah but i mean it makes perfect sense when you think about it, it. like it would be a great tv show concept which is you know he's the future cop and he's you forget i mean the funny thing about transfers is that the least interesting thing in the whole movie are the transfers you know, meaning they right. never quite explain like why this guy—it's—he's this cult leader, and he's got this such he's got this, psychic powers, such, this, this psychic hold on people that they just sort of <laughs> murder people for no reason as soon as you reveal their identity. They don't really explain it very well. No, but it's yeah. just sort of a good excuse to put Jack Death, you know, just doing adventures. But if you took away the transfers aspect, and it basically just made it like this future cop who goes back in time to sort of solve crimes or get murderers or, you know, whatever, like it, that could yeah. be a cool show. And I can imagine Thomerson out there pitching it and like, God, I wonder if they made like a, you know, like an electronic press kit or something. Was there, is there a VHS tape somewhere of like oh. Thomerson, you know, maybe shot some footage for the transfers TV pilot. Fuck. I'd love to see that. Yeah, because yeah. like that was the era when they did like the the Highlander series that ran for a couple oh, of years boy. because they were like, oh, we can, yeah, we can do the this. Bla- remember the Blade yeah. TV show with yeah, Blade Sticky Fingers, 
Yeah, on that's right. Blade, you know. That would have been a perfect time for that. Oh, the yeah. Crow. The Crow had the Crow. series. Oh, yeah. I forgot there was a Crow series. Oh, you know, yeah, I forget what that was called, but. But also, I mean, like Quantum Leap was already like a, oh, yeah, a yeah, profitable yeah. thing. But so Quantum Leap was like different, going to different eras, which I yeah, guess theoretically I, he could do. But I feel like you could use that in your pitch as proof of concept. Like, oh, this isn't some crazy thing that nobody's going to get because right. people already love Quantum Leap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, you're making a lot of sense. <laughs> Listen, yeah, that we would have been actually executives really... in 1991. I think we clearly would have been putting on some pretty cool stuff. All right, so all we have to do is figure out who our ancestors were, who were TV executives in 1991. Then right. we leap back into their bodies, right. and then we greenlight the transfer show. Right. I do find it a little funny that they're essentially like putting him into this body with no prompting as to what was happening. No. Or yeah. anything, and it's just kind of like, yeah, you'll get it. Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll figure, figure it out. out. But he does. He, looks, he does. He, does. He, he looks in the mirror and he goes like, um, all right. Hey. Dry hairs you, for squids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, immediately he just, like, just turns to the hot chick next to him and goes like, hey, can you give me a lift? By the way, is there anything more like a character aimed at men? Guy literally jumps through time, no explanation. First thing he does is turns to the nearest woman and goes, hey, can you give me a lift? <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me see that pocketbook. Can I can you loan me some money there, sweetheart? <laughs> you know, it's like. What a dick. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Like, yeah, he, he leaps back in time, has no concept of, like, how anything no, works. So, but like, doesn't bring a wallet, yeah. doesn't, you know. And, and yeah. kind of starts, like, like kind of, you know, getting on his girlfriend's case. Hey, listen, babe, I, you know, mm. I'm driving here. You know, clearly on, like, a raised thing. He's just driving like this. Yeah, yeah, Where's yeah. Where's that La Cienega? Yeah, all right, sweetheart, we'll figure it out. Like, took him 30 seconds and traveling millennials through time, to, and he's still a dick to the first girl he meets. Yeah, well... <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's that's you men, you fucking assholes. <laughs> I had a hard time with his grip on the steering wheel yeah, well, when he's, he's driving. Just, like this. Well, that, and then also he's driving like he's in handcuffs. He's at like, I, I put it in my notes as like quarter to midnight and uh, 12.15. Yeah. Which is very I, tight. What, what I think it is, is that if you look in the shot, all the other cars are lower. They're on, they're, the car is basically on a, on a lift. Like, you like know, a flatbed. That makes like sense, flat yeah. Bed. So he's not actually and, so driving. So they're just action, and he's just like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like talking you know, to her, and like he's doing the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. doing the big arms. But also, I think I realized, like, well, I don't know how ubiquitous airbags were in 84, but sure. I imagine oh, not very. Exist. No, no, they didn't. No, airbags, no. Right, so you didn't have two and ten. No, two So and that's ten. a perfectly cromulent way to drive. Yeah, yeah. you could just do whatever. Listen, baby, <laughs> listen, baby it was the early 80s. Yeah, we I drove know, how we wanted to. We, two and ten, five, nine, six and twelve, yeah. who cares? <laughs> Robin we Williams know. was our god. We didn't think about nothing. <laughs> Mark and Mindy was the number one show. We had nothing going on. We were thinking of driving. Listen, back then, <laughs> you, you, you were going north and you just decided to go south. You just turned around. It was called, we, we didn't, we, you know what we called it? We called it flip it. We called it flip a bitch. What's more American than that? It's sexist wow. and yeah. kills people. Speaking of him with <laughs> Lena, I love, she goes, did you mean what you said last night? And he goes, what did I say? And she goes, that making love to me was like the ethereal union of two lost souls. <laughs> By the way, who here hasn't used that line? I was, I was dying. And, and by I was the like, way, that's great. What does that tell us about this Philip Death character? Philip, right? Boy, was he pouring it on? 
Right, because then, like, whatever, a scene later, I she's like... I believe the like, kids would call it simping, but we didn't have a word for it in 84. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah, like, a, like a scene later, we find out that that was like, they just hooked up. They just night. hooked up. Like, yeah. And that, yeah. And that was his line after they just hooked up. He used the word ethereal. like <laughs> Ethereal in a, union of two lost wow. souls. It's like, yeah. all right, Philip. You know, okay. I gotta tell you, I would want a second date with that guy. Here's the mind fuck: is that they are actually destined to be together. <laughs> yeah. Because they do get married. Yeah. It literally also, is an ethereal union. It, it, but it actually also, is. My other question: Is it an am I my own grandpa situation? If the dick you're using to fuck your grandma okay. is your grandpa's. Ooh. Interesting. Because very interesting. He, he's in Philip's body. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just one of the few things I was considering <laughs> while I were... was watching. Yeah. Trans- well, I also <laughs> like that it's a movie with a lot of <laughs> levels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I like that he gets recalled back to the future, like right before he's going to sleep oh, with yeah. her. And then he comes back and he's like, wait, what? We are, we, we did it? What? Yeah. Yeah, he <laughs> missed the best part. Yeah. But Allison kind of pointed this out earlier, but it's like, so Philip goes home with Lena. They have, they, you know, they make love, ethereal union, yeah. all yeah. that, right? The night of passion. And then the next thing he remembers is they're about to make love in a totally different location entirely. And he's just like, yeah, I, I went with it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I rolled listen, with it. I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. <laughs> Philip is one cool dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like... He's like he's like boy I am the I am just like the Lothario yeah. of reporter. Yeah. I literally don't even remember anything between making love. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Picking up ladies at I guess punk clubs. Or maybe Santa's Village. Oh yeah, do you think he picked her up at the club or do you think he picked her you up know, at Santa's Village? She had her clothes with her. You mentioned true. this uh, before by the way. Oh, that's a really good point. I never yeah. thought about that. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. That just blew my mind. Um but you made a good point that much like Die Hard, Trancers is a Christmas movie. Yes. It's a secret it Christmas movie. It for sure yeah. is a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes place during Christmas. We yeah. we meet and kill Santa. <laughs> meet and kill Santa. What more Christmas than that? Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, because, like, when she starts getting dressed, like a unitard thing, and then she puts on this top coat thing, and I was like... That looks like a, like a like a Mrs. Claus outfit, and I was like, "That's fun. That's 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 goofy." And that's like a black fun. belt, and I'm like, "I think that is." And yeah. then like we see her getting out of the car, and she's got the like hat with yeah. the b- ball on top, and I was like, "It's a Christmas." Hey, outfit. listen, a girl's got to make her money out on these streets. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's tough yeah. out there, you know. And that little kid's like, "Why do you have blue hair?" She's like, "It's um very cold at the North so, Pole." <laughs> let me uh let me drop a little nugget on here. I told you about another Charles Band movie called Eliminators. And Eliminators is completely out of print uh, and hard to find. I believe, though, if you go to YouTube, you can find it uh, streaming there, like bootleggy. But Eliminators is kind of like an A-team thing where a bunch of misfit, you know, warriors uh, band together to, you know, defeat a bad guy, blah, blah, blah. But it's terrific. And what it really is terrific is when I say misfit, you've got sort of a Han Solo-like, you know, rugged kind of warrior dude. And then you've got a female, you know, plucky scientist who's pretty attractive, as these movies tend to cast them back then. And then, of course, you've got a samurai, because why wouldn't you? And right. and you've got a little floating droid that kind of makes wisecracks. But, of course, you've got a 
mandroid. And the mandroid is robot on the bottom and human on top with guns for arms. <laughs> and he you know, you know drives around and shoots and makes quips and stuff. Going back to Trancers, when the little kid sits on Santa's lap, he says, what do you want for Christmas, Timmy? Or whatever the kid's name is. And the kid says... I want a mandroid. Yeah. That's because it's that's, a, that's a callback to Eliminators that came out the previous year. That's ah, fucking crazy. Nice. I assumed that was just a toy now, I didn't remember hearing about now, from the 80s. You need to go, if you look He up, says it twice, too. Yes, because mm -hmm. I, I honestly think because Charles Band was really pushing that mandroid concept. <laughs> like, you know what? If I mention it in a couple other films, people will be like, what's a mandroid? What's a mandroid? There also, by the way, there's two full moon pictures. There's mandroid and mandroid 2, the invisible man. <laughs> nice. Wait, it's not the Invisible Mandroid? No, I think it's it's called like no, it's like Mandroid Two, Mister Invisible, or something. It's 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 not very good, but um, <laughs> but Eliminators. I'm looking right now because I I feel like if it's not on uh, YouTube, then I will I will find it and and send it to you guys because I've watched it and uh, oh, I have it on DVD. That's why I have it. I think I have yeah, it on you a. You might have it. I think I have it on like a like one of those four DVD. Oh, that's like four what movie I have packs. it on. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Okay. That movie is incredible. You gotta watch it immediately. Uh, that sounds great. good. It sounds great. So here, so your homework assignments is 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 a <laughs> Trancers 1.5, City of Angels, and Eliminators. We've never been given homework on the podcast. Oh no, before. actually, we usually give homework no. to the listeners, but oh. I'm totally fine with this. I love when people are like, "Have you seen this? You need to see you this." Gotta see like, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is great. Yeah, Eliminators <laughs> is fantastic. I mean, literally, it's just got like everything I love in movies all in one movie. Wisecracks, robots, samurais, mandroids, <laughs> mandroids, pop scientists. I mean, it's yeah. so good. That's one powerful DVD. Yeah. yeah, I was like, that sounds like I, I think that sounds familiar, and I was like, yeah. I think I might have that. Yep. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, yeah, I'm a big physical media guy because, like, yeah, this stuff goes out of print. I'm a mandroid. For... Listen, I'm a big mandroid guy. You put a mandroid <laughs> in film, you got me. You're like any mandroid yeah. stuff. I got all you know, of it. When you go on Tubi, look up mandroid because there's a whole series of mandroid films through Full Moon, and they're not very good, but they're worth seeing. We do also love a franchise, right? Yeah, like, I mean, that's why we love my whole house. We have we have two other roommates. We love the Fast and Furious movies because they just refuse to like all hit right. the brakes. Now yeah. you hit home, and uh, mm -hmm. my wife is who's in the other room is gonna love this because my wife <laughs> is a huge Fast and the Furious fanatic. And yes, I had so never seen any of those movies until we met. And now, of course, I've seen the last two in the theaters. And yeah. uh, I'm very familiar with the various plot lines. We're, we're a Fast and the Furious household over here. That's, totally. That's great. Yeah, it, it definitely starts out as a very straight, like, car movie. Yeah, like, and on now they're 60 just superhero seconds. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, they're just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, super the, spies. The, the fifth movie, they cross the Rubicon and get to just be an action movie that involves cars and not a car movie. I have a theory that with, you know, the de-aging and the deep fake and the AI that, like, by the next movie and definitely by the last one, Paul Walker's going to be a major character. Like, he's going... Oh, he'll be back. He'll be back. It, 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 if nothing else, there's going to be an action sequence where Vin is clearly about to die and there's no way out and everyone that could save him is dead or can't be available. And then, boom, fucking Paul Walker's going to yeah. show up and it's going to be his brother as the body double and his, you know... Right daughter providing blah 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 it'll be all signed off on but i'm telling you like they have the technology and there's two more movies yeah. paul walker is going to star in 
you yeah. know, or at least have a major action cameo where, and I'm telling you, when, when we see this movie in the theaters, my wife is going to burst into tears. She's waiting for that. It'll be the most emotional moment in her life. Right, and also everyone will absolutely lose their mind. Lose their shit. Kill. They'll like, freak out. Are you kidding? Yeah, exactly. When he comes back, the, the world will turn on its ass. That's a very smart bet, I think. Yeah. That gives me extremely complicated feelings. I agree, but because I think it would make sense in well, yes. Best of Fury. Okay, yes, because that would entirely be what that sort of technology should be used for and should solely be used for is like something that you absolutely know that like the person would want to be involved with had they not tragically died. Right. But also that's not what it's going to be used for like 99% of the time. And that's the fucked up part. Yeah. That's going to be like when they did the, you know, Gene Kelly dancing with a Roomba or not Roomba, but like a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going to, we're going to, what's going to happen. And now is that every dead franchisable person, whether it's John Lennon or whether it's Humphrey Bogart, as soon as their family signs off on AI likenesses, yeah. yeah, we're gonna now see the Maltese Falcon too with Mark or, Wallenberg and and right. Humphrey Bogart <laughs> together or, at last. Or also the duo that everybody's yeah. been asking for. Hey, fucking Bogart, what you doing? You know, it's gonna be like, what's gonna, up, bro? We're gonna see hey, like Bogey, bro. What's going on? Yeah, we're gonna see artistic abominations. Is what we're yeah, <laughs> and I mean, also not even necessarily family, but just whoever's controlling the estate, sure, which yeah. may which not be probably not right, your right, relative. Family. Yeah, it's just right. Yeah. Like, the, the lawyer who owns the fucking storage thing where the, you know, the likeness is kept. Yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, sure, I don't have, do I have to do anything? No? Okay, cool. Oh, you want Charlie Chaplin to be in the new uh, you know, wacky con? Yeah, no problem. Charlie Chaplin, finally a member of the Avengers right. like we've always right. wanted. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's going to lead <laughs> us down a dark place. But in this particular Fast and the Furious thing, because, again, we're talking about a family, uh, I feel like that, it, like you said, that's the appropriate yeah. use. Right, it yeah, is. That, that'll be the thing where you're like, it was, it was, this was good. This was yeah. the good one. Yep. All right, so. Yes. Might be about time to wrap up. I know we didn't oh, really yeah. get into transfers. This, that's we, how the show is. We I talk know. About what it was a launching pad for other conversations. Right. Sure. We did discuss it somewhat spiritually. Sure. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, all right, let's focus only on transfers. Is there any stuff from transfers we want to really highlight? I, for one, would like to point out. That one of the council is played by Richard Hurd, who played Wilhelm on Seinfeld. <laughs> I was like, I know this guy, but he's got way more hair. And I looked him up. I'm like, oh, it's Wilhelm. I was yeah. Like, Wilhelm. yeah. My, my, my good friend that I grew up watching on TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elaine's boss. I think my main takeaway is just that um, it made me love Tim Thomerson as an actor. And uh, it made me really go down this path of um, Charles Band, who kind of next to Roger Corman is just yes. one of the great, you know, the last great like indie filmmakers where, you know, he just, he made tons and tons of movies. Some of them are great. Some of them are terrible. Most of them are in between, but mm-hmm. a lot of ambition, a lot of moxie, a lot of vim, a lot of vigor, a lot of <laughs> like, you know, just taking a great idea and no budget and milking it for all of its worth. And I just, I love filmmakers like that. I love, you know, that era of Hollywood um, before things got so CGI when practical Mm -hmm. effects and, you know, just having a batshit crazy script and Richard Lynch or Powers Booth and, you know, like, fuck it, let's just go make it. We got Thomerson, we got Helen Hunt, boom, let's just go make a movie. Like, 
And Trancers to me is just sort of a, a, a perfect example of like a B movie that's way better than it should be and way more fun than it should yeah. be. You know? It's way more yeah, it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like everything every like new facet of it, you're just like, Oh, this is like I would watch a whole thing yeah. a whole movie about this totally. aspect of it. Yeah. That's why when you mentioned that it might have almost been a TV show, I was like, that makes totally so much sense. Yeah. Because, yeah, you could do so much. If yeah. if the Trancers show that doesn't exist mm-hmm. had been had spun out from the movie and it was like the continuing adventures of Jack, of Death. Jack Death and Lena and Ashby, the, you know, pitcher guy who's their buddy. Yeah. Like, and they have to, like, keep him on the straight and narrow and make sure he, like, meets a nice girl, settles down and, you know, has a, has a kid who eventually becomes, like, the... You know, his lineage continues and becomes the councilwoman. Like, that would be actually a pretty great show. Absolutely. <laughs> but I would add to the to the Corman and band, uh, Lloyd Kaufman and Troma oh, and for sure. and mm-hmm. the Asylum guys. Yeah. I think they also are just like, let's just make it. Who cares? Yeah. Troma yeah. has like a little, little a slight different slant where they're trying to also be like, let's push buttons, yeah. which you know sometimes works for me, doesn't always. It depends on the thing, but yeah. but I like Talks they're always great. Yeah, yeah, everything else. No, no, but yeah. I, I, I like their like. Let's just let's just give it a shot. Yeah. Like okay. attitude. Yeah, yeah. Rapid it's grannies, great. do it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on uh, on on transfers? I mean, I had a couple of logical things of like, oh well, if you can just send people back into their bodies, why don't you just send everybody back? Because then they'd be way more. You wouldn't have to convince them to come with you. <laughs> That's a really you know? good point. Interesting. But yeah. like. He broke the second antidote, but they also had brought McNulty back. So why can't they send more antidote with him? This is my catch. Well, I think that's what the. I think that's yeah. what that final shot of. Sure. The, we didn't mention McNulty when McNulty travels back. Oh in yeah, time. he's a little girl. He's yeah. he's like an eleven year old girl. That's his only yeah. ancestor, and he's yes. like, the it's this little girl delivering this like hard ass like detective yeah. performance where she's like, I had to sneak out past the parents yeah, the whole she, nine. She's got a cigar. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah. But like, yeah, that last shot of her watching yeah. them like make out yeah. is her really being like, creepy. Yeah. It's very creepy, well, but it's, creepy, it's also, but also, yeah, it's signing off on like, okay, well he can stay. Right. Yeah. And well, I get that. And he, but also it's that McNulty knows that, you know, Jack death is trapped. So if they need Jack death, McNulty can, you know, Oh, can, can be the... What's the guy in Quantum Leap? Um, Al. Al. Yeah. Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 in fact, the the, 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 the stock... Oh, I would, when I mentioned Stockwell before, it's Dean Stockwell's kid, John Stockwell, that was in Dangerously Close. Uh, oh, okay. Film. And he went on... He's also in Christine, and he's actually become kind of a famous film director. But yeah, it's callback to earlier in the show. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I was just gonna say my my uh, catchphrase for the episode has been "fuck it's always an option," so, <laughs> you know. So yeah, like yeah. The, these are little nitpicks, but also "fuck it's also an option." Yeah, no. Generally, this was pretty good. Yeah, I like, had a blast watching this. Like I, you know. again, like the it, and it also like it's like we said a hundred and whatever minutes, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. No. And so then when the credits start rolling and they, and they played the trailer for the sequel, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I want to watch the sequel!" Like, yeah. I was like, it looks crazy, and yeah. I enjoyed this world so thoroughly. And like I said, remember, 1.5 City of 1.5. Angels. That's the true sequel, and sure. and probably yeah. the most authentic sequel, although unfortunately very short, unlike the rest, which are kind of these goofy comedies and are worth watching. But like City of Angels actually feels like a genuine, I mean, it is a genuine transfer sequel. It sure. just came out 25 years too late, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Better late than never. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so on the show, we always uh, vote. Is it a hate watch or a great watch, or does it fall somewhere on the spectrum in between? 
Uh, Frank, you know, you chose this. You are our guest today. Please uh, start. Yeah, start I mean, voting. to me, it's a great watch. Uh, you, you know, clearly you have to be into, you know, sort of B-movies and genre pictures. But I'm assuming anyone watching a podcast like this or listening to my my music or watching my movies uh, is into that sort of stuff. So I'm calling it a great watch. Two thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, I I also thought it was a great watch. Um, I... I mean, yeah, I feel like even for, like, a casual viewer, it does offer enough to keep you interested and doesn't overstay its welcome, like we've said. Yeah. Um, it, again, has Helen Hunt, who you might recognize from more mainstream stuff. Tim Thomerson is definitely more of a genre guy. So, yeah. you know, if if you know him, you'll love to see him. And if you don't know him, you're fine. <laughs> so. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it's a very fun performance. Um, yeah, I... I also, across the board, great watch. I agree. Mm-hmm. This was great. I I was in from, I told you, like that first scene, the the cafe, like the diner at night, all the neon, the floating car, you know. the well, And that travels through the whole movie yeah. with uh, her apartment and the club. So oh, like, tons you of do neon, have yeah. a lot of, like the lighting isn't like super great, but like it's nice for that gritty, like again, we were, we were likening it to Blade Runner. It's got that feel to it where it's a little dirty. Yeah. Like, and it feel, it also feels like 80s, you know, LA and. Um, I love, like, I've, I've letterboxed, I, I have, like, a list of, like, Christmas movies, and some of them, you know they're Christmas movies, and other ones you don't. Like this, mm-hmm. I was like, did not know that. Yeah, it's and like I, a Christmas keep, movie. Right, yeah. and I keep track of, like, movies that have movie punks in them. You know, not just, like, oh, casual, like, real punks. Do you, like, have, but that, like, do you have that book, um, was it Punks in Film? You know, there's a... I, I don't have it, but I, I do know it, it's yeah. It's great. It's a big coffee table book of, like, every time, a, you know, a listing of every punk or yeah. punk band or punk movie. It's, it's awesome. That appeared yeah. in the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we we I did, did... um uh, Flashdance uh, yeah. on the show, and Lee Ving is in that, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lee Ving yeah. is in a lot of great movies, but yeah. 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 I was yeah. like, oh, shit. Yeah. Good for you. Um, also, I, I did definitely talk to you about how they really were trying to run the gamut with the punk hairstyles. Oh. Yeah, every all the hair in this is just like as high Killer. as possible. Yeah, like, well, it's, it's the higher the hair, the closer to God. And in yeah. so many different configurations too. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, I saw they've got Liberty like, spikes and mohawks yeah, and all kinds of things. Spike, but then yeah. like the flock of seagulls, like yes. wave thing. And yeah, the one yeah. dude just has like it's basically like a high top fade. Yeah. Like he just has yeah. his hair just straight up. Yeah. Like, it looks like a pencil eraser. Oh, like Hey Arnold. It is like Hey Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, it was the. 80s. We had crazy hair. That's all we had. That's, that's, all, we, had. that's all we could afford. <laughs> that's all we could afford with crazy no, hair. No, <laughs> no. You had cocaine. That's true. We had cocaine. And, we had a lot of cocaine. And I, I believe it was also the tail end of lewds. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. No, that was a little before my time. A little but before. Yeah, okay. I never did right. a lewd. I always wanted to do a lewd, but I asked <laughs> a friend of mine one time. I was like, "What were quaaludes like?" He goes, "It was like taking a pill and that made you like like you had five beers." I'm like, "That sounds like the greatest pill ever." Yeah. Yeah, that's basically what my mom said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my mom was like, oh, Quaaludes. We, I forget, we were watching some movie and they talked about Quaaludes. She's like, oh, Quaaludes. I used to like Quaaludes. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, tell me more. I've never, heard of, I've never heard anyone from that era say anything negative about Quaaludes. Negative, like, right. Yeah. I've always like, oh, Quaaludes yeah. were the greatest, huh? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> fuck, how did We'd... those get outlawed? Heroin, crack, no problem in the 80s. But... Right. 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 You'd hang out in a juice bar and not fight with anybody. Right. You're just like, ah, I feel yeah. good. Yeah. Feel nice. How wholesome is that? Wild. <laughs> well, Frank, uh, direct people to your endeavors, your social media, sure. your anything. Uh, so you can find me on uh, Instagram at the Frank Meyer, M E Y E R. 
uh, spelled like Oscar Meyer. I'd like to point out that as a youth, I had two hot dog references in my name: Oscar Meyer, <sighs> Frankfurter. Frankfurter. So the yeah. the hot dog references just mm-hmm. and jokes and puns just never stopped. I'd be you know I'd be like at the carnival having a hot dog. Hey, you having one of those? You know? Yeah, I fucking get it, asshole. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so you can go to the Frank Meyer. Uh, on uh, apparently uh, on Facebook, there's a lot of Germans named Frank Meyer, so you have to put my oh. middle initial Frank M Meyer. Um, but who cares? Facebook, my God! If I could get off, <laughs> I could get off Facebook, I, I can't get off it. I want to get off it so bad. I just I can't get off it because it literally won't allow you to. Like it's like uh-huh. delete your account. You're like yes, and it's like page unavailable. <laughs> you know. It's like, but anyways, uh, and then you can find me on uh, thefrankmeyer.com. I just launched this website, thefrankmeyer.com, and it's the only place where my movies and my books and my music all can be found in one place because that's been sort of the, the you know, we talked about this earlier, the, the Rubicon, the Rubik's Cube of my career is that I do all these weird things that have nothing to do with each other, but they do have something to do with each other, which is me. So yeah. <laughs> I, I needed to find a place where I could house all these things. So thefrankmeyer.com. And uh, that being said, my latest movie is coming out real soon. It's called Freestyle 101 Hip Hop History, and it's a documentary about uh, freestyle rap. And on the music tip, I'm, I got an album out by Trading Aces, which is my sleaze metal band. It's called Rock and Roll Homicide. I've got an album out by my blues rock band, Highway 61. It's called Driving South. And the Streetwalking Cheetahs have a new album out called One More Drink, and we're working on a brand new EP. And I'm playing gigs uh, around the United States and Europe with all these bands. So come on down to a show and let's drink some beer. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on on all the things you are doing at the same time. <laughs> Thanks man, appreciate that. I like uh, it's it's incredibly like aspirational and impressive and um, thank you for contacting us. Thank you for being yeah. on and being yeah. so generous with your time. We Definitely. really appreciate it. Thank you for recommending transfers cuz like I would have gotten to it eventually, but man, I'm so glad I got to it. Listen, yeah. I think we can all agree that Dollman brought us together. And uh, that's uh, really all that matters in this crazy, tipsy-topsy world of ours, you know? (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, uh, for anybody listening, you can get new episodes from us every other Wednesday. That's every Every other other Wednesday Wednesday on moviejohn.com. And you can visit our link tree. That's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e slash h-w-g-w. And that's our social media, where to find us on MovieJohn, where to find us on any streaming service, and where to support the MovieJohn Patreon. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks again, Frank, for being here. This was a blast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, s- s- send us an email. Send us a message, whatever. Any t- yeah. Anytime you want to talk about a movie. Whenever you're not out of the country yeah. or if you are and have a decent data package. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah, this was a blast. I, I, had a, I had a great time. Thanks, man. Well, thank you to both you guys. Really great to talk to you. And uh, we will be in touch. All right, man. Have a good night. Thank you. See y'all. See you. Bye.
all I even played with Bob DeRoe, the guy who wrote all the Schoolhouse Rock stuff. You know, I'm just <laughs> oh, Bill. I was I went on the road with Bob DeRoe and, and sang and did all the Schoolhouse Rock stuff. And that's another one where, like, at that point, I'm just Lolly Junior going Lolly, Lolly, Lolly. <laughs> <get your adverb." laughs> This has been a movie jaw.